0: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com.
1: When you win two games in a row, they call that a winning streak. For the first time this year, your Pittsburgh Steelers are going streaking through the quad, into the gymnasium, into Indianapolis, <laughs> into Atlanta, and he's bringing his green hat. And we got two straight victories in our that back was, pocket. You went from major
2: league to I know I'm old very, school there.
1: I know I'm very I'm diverse in that way. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a, I'm a man of many talents. Yeah, it feels good, man. I'm not gonna lie, it feels damn good. I know we've had a narrative on this show in the past couple weeks that wins and losses don't matter. Improving the team is what matters. But I'd be lying to you if it didn't feel damn good to beat up on a couple of teams in back-to-back weeks. Now I know what everybody's going to say who are the haters out there. There's a lot of them. It's the Colts. They have a freaking player as their head coach right now. He was an analyst for ESPN just a month ago. The Falcons are one of the worst teams in football. (laughs) You were looking like one of the worst teams in football right. just a few weeks ago. So are you. There was like
2: bottom 12 right now. Yep, yep, yep.
1: yep. But we're climbing up that ladder.
2: Yeah, you're climbing, but you're not. But you weren't know, you a team that
1: like rolls into Indy and, ah, you, uh, dust your hands off of this one. That's an easy but There is no easy win in the NFL when you're a team at the state of the Steelers. Young team, rookie quarterback, and a lot of problems that need to be addressed roster construction wise and player development wise and coaching wise. I mean,. Mm. There's a lot of stuff that still needs to be worked on for this Pittsburgh Steelers. But you go in against teams that are kind of on equal playing field as you, you know, spinning their four wins, five wins, and you take care of business and you do it on the road. Again, wins and losses don't necessarily matter to me, but this is a sign of improvement in my eyes. Stacking wins, learning how to win in the NFL, not blowing a lead. Blowing a lead against the Colts and then coming back and retaking the lead. They're learning. They're growing. Very, very positive past couple of weeks for the Steelers. And in general, a very positive post buy as they now improve to 3-1 and one on the season after that bye week.
2: After the bye week. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's what a bye week is kind of for. It's like that reset button. Um, Bob Labriola on his Mike Tomlin uh, show that he does with him every week. Said coach, when you see a team go into a half in the NBA and they have a halftime lead and then things kind of start to fall apart uh in the in the second half, coaches have the ability to take multiple timeouts to kind of regroup. The NFL season, when it comes to an individual game in the season, you don't really have as many opportunities as other sports do. And someone said, Yeah, I mean, eighty-two games in hockey and, and basketball, it's it's a marathon. You have time you have enough time over that entire six-month or, or seven-month season to regroup and, and reset things, and you've seen teams do that over the course of a season. In an individual game, yeah, coaches have six timeouts in one half, five timeouts in one half. So they have that opportunity to slow down the, the other team if they're getting hot, regroup, try to figure out what's going wrong, and adjust. In football, it's completely different. You only have 17 games. You only have three timeouts in a given half. Not everything is going to be as easy as it seems. So to take advantage of the bye week, win three out of four, and, and beat the teams that you should beat, right? Because you beat, you beat the Saints, who you think you're probably at, at par with, if not better. You beat the Colts, who you assume you're better than. And you beat the Falcons, who you assume you're better than, if not at par with. So you're beating the teams in your tier or below your tier or around your tier. And then you make things interesting, for the most part, against the Bengals. Yeah, and the only team uh, only team you lose to Bengals, is the
1: Bengals. They've got a flame-breathing dragon at quarterback right yeah, now. Yeah, so. a flame-breathing offense it, as a whole. We'll get to them in our NFL segment, but they're creeping up my list as maybe best team in the NFL so at you're, this moment. You're,
2: you actually kind of hung around and kind of impressed, maybe, some could say, when you played the Bengals just yeah. because of... In that first half, you remember how close it was, and it wasn't until the second half where the Bengals kind of ran away with things. So really not a horrible start to this second half of the season. And really, I think what was most important about this bye, something that Atlanta does not have the advantage of, the Steelers got their bye
0: right, right in the sad, middle, in of, the middle of the season. Yeah,
2: perfect opportunity to say, here's how we performed in the first half. We can make adjustments for the second half. Atlanta Falcons have yet to have their bye week. Mm. That cannot be easy to start a season playing 13 games in a row without having that extra week in between somewhere along the line to regroup and say, especially for the Falcons. Yeah, their identity is a
1: physical, hard-nosed football team that's got to wear on you a lot more. Who are playing around 500, who are possibly playing for a division title. Although I don't know about that anymore. Does it... Losing to the Steelers at home to get to your eighth loss. Yeah, they're still a, alive because the South is garbage. If something happens tonight where the
2: Saints, Saints beat win, the
1: Bucks, then they're they okay. are alive. But this was one that I'm sure they're circling and they're saying that's a swing game. Got to beat the Steelers at home. Got to be the team that has equal yeah, amount yeah. at home.
2: I think both teams, the Steelers and Falcons, looked at this game the same. If you want a fighter's chance of making the playoffs, you win this game, and you should be able to win this game. Both teams probably thought. We're better than the other team. Yeah, I think both teams could have won this game.
1: Uh, The identity of the Steelers on offense has the, been the single most important thing that I think has emerged post-bye week. And what I mean by that is they are a running football team. We have been pounding the table for this even back into last year with Big Ben. Uh, at the beginning of this year, we expected this to be the M.O. of this offense. And it's taken eight, nine weeks to get to this point. But post by, they are a run first, run heavy, use the run to set up the pass offense. Another game where they ran more than they threw 37 rushing attempts for the Steelers, 28 through the air from Kenny Pickett. And Najee Harris, once again, yeah. 17 carries, 86 yards. So he doesn't get that 100 yard performance that everybody looks at and goes, wow, that's sexy. But look at the yards per carry. Another game where. yards per pop every time he touched the football. And by the way, 6 carries, 24 yards, 4 yards a pop for Benny Snell for your second leading rusher. Your two running backs that had the majority of the carries, your workhorse and then your spell guy, were both over 4 yards per carry. This is the identity of what we expected the Steelers' offense to look like, and I'm glad it's starting to finally come to fruition, and they're stacking the performances. Like Tomlin said, we got to stack wins. Stack good rushing performances. And Najee, coming off of that oblique injury, not knowing if he was going to play this week. Mm-hmm. Tomlin holds him out of practice as a precautionary thing all week long. He looked great, man. Yeah, he really he did. He looked great.
2: And he was running hard. Exactly. He was running north to south. You didn't see him overthink. He was, he was actually hitting holes. He was making quick moves with his feet. There was nothing that I saw, Tom, that made me think of the Najee Harris from the first half of the season. No, all I thought was Najee Harris from 2021. From 2021
1: stiff arm. Yeah. Dude, oh he bounced gosh, the guy's head off. Arm, that's yeah. got to be on Angry Runs. Angry this Runs this on Angry He bounced him work. like a basketball off the turf. Like his head literally bounced a couple of times after he threw him down. And then he wasn't it done. Was mean. He wasn't done because then two more guys were like, oh, come over here. And he was like, that, you want some?
2: You want some? That it, was only like a five yard run. But A, you got the stiff arm. You beat the initial man. And B, you got the first down, and you took a couple of other guys with you getting that first down. Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs are one and
1: two in my mind of just mean sons of guns, angry runners. Nick Chubb, Nick too. Chubb's, uh, yeah, but I think Jacobs and Henry are just in a different league. Harris is that. He is an angry runner. He is a punishing running back. You do not want to take him on when he's playing like he did against Atlanta. It is just so refreshing to see him... Really shoot out of a cannon in this second half of the season yeah. and be the guy that we drafted in the first a ov- first round of the draft. If, you know he still. Oh, you can't take a running back in the first round. Well, people were starting to get a little bit more fuel to that fire after the first half performance, and he's starting to you know extinguish it a little bit more because this guy, the the guy we saw against Atlanta, the guy we've seen against New Orleans, the guy we've seen even in that Cincinnati game. That's the guy you take with your number one overall pick. And that's a guy that can really be a game changer for your offense.
2: No, I mean, we we've mentioned that he is yet to eclipse that century mark this season, but Tom, he's gotten so close so many times in this in these four games since the bye week that it, it's not even a concern at this point, right? In the beginning of the season, it was a concern because he wasn't running for 80 yards or 90 yards, and averaging four and a half yards minimum per carry, sometimes uh, north of five yards uh, per carry. At the beginning of the season, when he was carrying the ball like 12 times, 15 times for 50 yards, that was a concern. But now, not only he, but the rest of the team, Tom, is running the ball so effectively. Another game, 150 yards. I think it was. I believe it was 154 yards rushing on the day for the Steelers. 4.2 yards per pop. Yeah. Was, and that's getting so – and when you consider how many people you're getting involved, yeah, that's a good number to have as a team. No, I, again, that's the
1: identity. That's what it should have mm-hmm. been all along, and it's really nice to see them start to wrap their arms around that and embrace it and do it effectively. Uh, and kudos to the offensive line, too, because they're part of that formula, too. You know, you can't bake that running game pie without a really strong crust and the offensive line is your crust. And they have done a very good job of creating holes and moving bodies off the line to allow their running backs to get two, three yards down the field before they're hit or mm-hmm. to allow them to see a linebacker or safety in the hole one-on-one and you can bounce his head off the ground like you're a Harlem Globetrotter. Like, mm-hmm. Nogier, like. So the offensive line deserves a lot of credit, and the backs deserve a lot of credit for yes. really stepping up, and in Najee's case, really waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do really tend to think that his injury to his foot had to be bothering him in that more first significant half of the than we were led on to believe. Whether it was physically or mentally, there was something there that was just not clicking with him, and he needed that extra thirteen-day rest period to of get the bye right to, to get ready get over things mentally or heal up 100% physically because he's, he's just been a different guy. He's hitting holes harder. He's cutting more. And, and ever since that play against the Eagles where they swung it out and he danced like five straight times and then mm-hmm. got tackled by Javon Hargrave for no gain. Haven't seen that once out of no. him since then. He is attack downhill
2: every single time. That play, Tom, stood out to us so significantly because— I bet it did to him, too. I bet they showed
1: that to him in film study, and he was like, that is not me
2: The old Najee Harris, whether it was from Alabama or his rookie season in Pittsburgh, when given that opportunity, the one against the Eagles, where he had five yards of open space and got tackled for, what, no gain and no first down on top of that, would look at that—the old Najee Harris would look at that and say— That's not just getting a first down. That's not getting five yards. I'm getting 15 yards on that bad boy. All that open space, give me that room, and then give me the chance to stiff arm a guy because you know, we know this, on his strength alone, it's going to take more than one guy to get into the ground. So I, 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 I agree with you. Ever since that play, which really stuck out like a sore thumb, it's been a different Najee Harris. And maybe that was it, Tom. Maybe you just took looking yourself in the mirror at at your worst moment. Not recognizing the guy looking back
1: at you. Right. And saying, what the heck is that? That ain't me. Uh Uh-huh. And he has been who we expect him to be since then. Average yards per carry on the season, 3.8 right now. Slowly climbing. It's getting up. back up slowly there. Yeah, slowly right. climbing up. If he finishes with that at four or higher, that's great because it it's was better than last last three point nine last year. Yeah, right. Year. It's better than last year. And he's on pace right now, projected to have nine hundred and fifty yards on the ground. So in a thousand yard season is still not and out that's, of the question. And that's
2: on this pace. Yeah, think about it, that's that's on which is still counting in the first half. Right, the first half of the season where he was averaging what fifty or sixty yards per game, if somewhere that. around if that. Right. I mean, there were games where he he had like twenty yards or thirty yards. So. If he continues to run at this pace, right, at the second half pace, he'll probably get to 1,000 yards. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings
1: called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter, let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all?
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all.
2: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You ain't not it.
0: <laughs> Check
1: out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you
0: get your podcasts.
1: Now, unfortunately, on the other side of the coin when running the football, the defense, who has been really good this year at stopping the run, mm-hmm. a top 10 run-stuffing defense, trying to trend towards top five, had a bit of a setback against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, but... They're the Falcons, though. They love to run That's the all ball. That's all they do. That's all they, love. That's all they do. Uh, actually, a bit of a balanced attack from them in this game. 28 rushes, 24 passes for Mariota. And I think there's been a little bit of a credo ever since that Bengals game where they were blown out from start to finish and still just tried to run the ball. Right. I think someone from up above was like, hey, can we, get, we need a little more balance. Mm-hmm. This is the NFL. 28 carries, 146 yards total, a 5.2 yard per pop total on the ground. Patterson averaged 5.5 yards on the ground. Alagier averaged 5.2. Mariota on three rushes averaged 5.7. Caleb Huntley got into the action with four rushes for 4.3 yards. So, honestly, if I'm looking at this in hindsight, I'm saying you know I know we're trying to get more balanced. I know we need to pass the ball a little bit more, but I don't know if we ran the ball enough with how Mm -hmm. effective it was if you're the Atlanta Falcons. And when
2: you were doing it that effectively against a team that is themselves and that you were never down stopping that much. the run. And you were never down. No, it wasn't like you it wasn't like the Cincinnati game where you were you should have forced yourself to throw the ball more and you didn't, right? Because that's what we just referenced. They had the opportunity to keep running the ball and oddly enough, they chose to pass the ball more often uh, when they didn't have to. But I bet you they looked at themselves and said, "Okay, we are a top running unit in the NFL, but the Steelers are a top run defense in the NFL." And they were getting the 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 bend there, right? This, the, the Falcons were getting the better end of that battle. Um, and it just, for some reason, they decided to put the ball more so in Mar- Mariota's hands than they have really all season long before today or before yesterday.
1: Yeah, and another day where the pressure of the quarterback was kind of non-existent. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mariota was not under duress that Cam much. Cam
2: got that sack pretty early on, he right? He did.
1: Uh, there were three quarterback hits. Uh Cam had a quarterback hit, Devin Bush had a quarterback hit, and Spillane got involved with a I believe quarterback one hit. of those
2: came on the, the Levi Wallace near interception.
1: Oh yeah, they crushed him. They mm-hmm. crunched him on that yeah. one. Uh but DJ Watt, very quiet yeah. in this game. Honestly, I'd say maybe the most he's been quiet. I don't think that was a dumb turner phrase that I just had there, but it was the quietest he's been since returning from the bye. Yeah, week.
2: the one play I can think of was um I don't know if it was Mariota or the running back, and he was trailing him and nearly got to him to try to trip him up from behind and whiffed. Yeah, that's the key word there, nearly. Like, he usually doesn't whiffed miss those. and not only whiffed, but came up yeah, kind of flinching. He dove. Like, yeah. he fully extended dove for him. And, and his ribs kind of got, I guess, a little crushed there. Yeah,
1: he did come back and finish the game. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was on the field for the Mariota interception of Minka Fitzpatrick when the defense closed out the game, but... Again, I'm going to give him the same benefit of the doubt that for we gave Najee at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year and I think say that's he's totally too injured right now.
2: Especially when you consider his injury literally kept him off the field, whereas Najee was able to play through it. Maybe Najee shouldn't have been playing. But TJ, you physically could not allow him to be on the field for it. Yes, and that his actually injury.
1: brings me to this next point with
2: TJ. Maybe he's not
1: going to re-injure it. Maybe he's not going to injure it any further. But do you want him out there, or do you want to sit him for a week or two and maybe try to get to 100%, play at 100%? Again, I'm not the doctor in the room. Maybe the doctor says you can play all you want, and it's not going to get re-injured. It's just going to hurt like hell. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's up to TJ, I think, at that point. But it's clear that he's not at 100%, and it's clear that when he's not at 100%, he's not as effective as he usually is now. I think he's still attracting a lot of sure. you know, attention yeah. from opposing offenses. I don't think you can just fall asleep at the wheel, even if you've noticed in the past couple of weeks of film that he ain't exactly been himself. So I think that aspect is still there when he's on the field. But you just keep waiting for that big two-sack game. Maybe he has a forced fumble. Maybe he does one of his you know, Cincinnati jump pass interception things. But other than that pick of Joe Burrow in the Cincy game, There hasn't really been a play that jumps out as a, wow, he's the defensive player of the year, that's T.J. Watt play since his return.
2: But I don't know if that's his fault, really. Because, remember, fully healthy, fully ready to go in that Bengals game. We were ready before he went down with that injury. Injury, sorry, We were ready to say he's going to be the defensive player of the year again for a second year in a row. Just like older brother J.J. did when he was at his peak, when he won what I believe three out of four mm-hmm. D-poys, three, three depoys in four year in a four-year span. We were already in that game alone, Tom, to give it to him because, what, he got a sack, he got the interception, he was getting tackles for loss, he was getting quarterback hits, he was all over the place. And I would say maybe, to, to Tom, his only splash play since coming back was probably the interception he had on, um, was it Matt Ryan last week? Or was it? The Joe Burrow, it it was a Joe Burrow interception again. from yeah, T.J. ago. Yeah, Over, he just that's what I'm saying. His stagnant. only splash play since has been that play. Has been that play.
1: Yeah, and it's not worrisome. It's just upsetting because he's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's not like um, because they're, they're winning the games, so it's not exactly like we're like, yeah. well, we need him to win these games. He's not doing enough to help us win. They're getting the wins, so you can't even criticize him in that aspect. I just like watching him dominate. It's yeah, just, right. Uh, from, I mean, a, that from a play, pure entertainment standpoint, he's just so much fun
2: to watch. That play against the Bengals in the second time they faced each other was a a, a textbook T.J. Watt moment where everybody, including Bill Billy and Wolf and crew and the the Bengals broadcasting crew, I'm assuming, us back here, fans everywhere, Bengals fans, were saying only T.J. Watt can do something like that. Only T.J. Watt was capable of... Making such an unexpected play, but you were, because you were watching TJ Watt, you almost had to force yourself to expect the unexpected.
1: Even though they scored 10 points, 10 of their 16 points in the second half, even though they gave up a lot on the ground, about five yards a pop, even though they didn't get much pressure on Mariota. I still got to give a lot of credit to that defense for their fourth quarter performance. Mm-hmm. Only giving up that field goal when it looked like the Falcons were going to score that t- – after the fumble – well, it wasn't a fumble. Would-be fumble from Would beyond be it ended game up being and... a punt. Mm-hmm. And then the Falcons drove down the field and could have scored a touchdown. Defense held in the red zone. Yeah, Arthur Ar- yeah, really yep. held there. How dare you? <laughs> he held the Falcons <laughs> to a field goal and – I just, hey, even if the ref doesn't call it, the ref doesn't call it. Right. I I still give credit to that defense for bending but not breaking Mm -hmm. in that point because that was huge. You know, that I think a lot of people at home kind of felt the momentum changing. Oh, absolutely. Felt the writing on the wall. And I think once it was first and goal, a lot of people expected the Falcons to score the touchdown. So good on the defense for tightening up when they had to at the very last minute there and forcing the field goal.
2: Well, I think you could, to no fault of, anyone's own you could feel the momentum switching because look at these these last two wins against the Falcons and the Colts you go out and you have a really good first half right Uh, what was it 16 points in the first half for the Steelers uh, and then only three points in the second half uh, and then against the Colts what was it 17 points in the first half and then what only seven points in the second half something like that so Two weeks in a row now, Tom, where you came out of the first half feeling really good about your offense. Think about it. In the first half of the offense, Tom, the Steelers scored on every single one of their possessions. Yeah, they only got one touchdown that went to Connor Hayward, but they still had field goals galore, and the only time they didn't was when uh, they kneeled the ball down to it into the second half. So you feel really great. You were able to score, what, is that four drives or three drives they had in the first half where they scored on all of them? So you felt out of, you felt coming out of the second half really good about this offense and yet they came up super stale. So and it was again the second week in a row they did that where they entered halftime with a lead while looking good on offense. And they came up super stale, super stagnant in that second half. Of course you were gonna feel nervous when uh you got closer to the end of the game and you still weren't scoring and you had that Deontay Johnson called no fumble, but you really thought it was that was a fumble. It, it, I thought it was a fumble too. Even Gene Serator kind of said, I don't know, I don't know how I think the reason why everyone was so concerned was because they initially called it a fumble and overturned it. If they called it incomplete and said the call stood, Yeah, I would have been, okay, I get it. You didn't see enough. But the fact that they saw enough to overturn it really was questionable to me or the most questionable part about that decision-making by the referee crew. So think about that. If that call doesn't go the Steelers' way and it is an Atlanta possession – in very positive territory or positive field position, they're probably, with that momentum, going to score a touchdown. I think so, too. Uh, I And wanna they give... take the lead, and the Steelers are then forced to score more points, which they had only done once in the entire second half.
1: I want to give a lot of credit to the Steelers special teams unit as well. Mm-hmm. Matthew Wright, four field goals in yeah. this game. I mean that's incredible stuff.
2: Well, at the beginning the third one was like only the third one was only like 33 yards or something or 28 yards or something. But the first three were like 46 46 47 something like that. Yeah, as long as 48, then he had two 46s yeah. and then he yeah. had the
1: 33 yard for go. his fourth one, but he's been perfect ever since those really laughable That first misses. game. Yeah, that first game. Uh, they were really uh the second one was unbelievable. I still never forget him just shanking that like right. that. But more importantly, their kick coverage was outstanding. Yeah, Wright can't kick it out of the back of the end zone, but what he did do was spread that ball around, make sure that wherever 84 was, he wasn't going to be anywhere near the ball. Avery Williams had two of their kick returns. Keith Smith had one. Cordero Patterson didn't touch the ball once on kick returns. That's a job Mm -hmm. well done from Matty Wright and a job well done from coverage and a job well done from Danny Smith Yeah, and the special teams coordinators. Making sure that that doesn't happen. happen, And making sure that you have a good game plan, so... Uh, hats off to special teams and then also presley harvin first of all i really like the decision from coach tomlin to punt there because i think it was tempting to try the field goal maddie's been kicking bombs this would be probably about like a 54 in the end of the game this is probably like a 54 55 yarder i kick it and make it it's a six point game the falcons have to get all the way in the end zone to win instead of kick a field goal to send us to overtime i love the decision to punt it away and let your defense win the game for you and so, and, and it, in fact, he was massively awarded with his faith in his punter because I think that was the best punt of Presley Harvin's career, using the it, sand wedge and yeah. getting it to stop right at the one there, and then boom, Mike Fitzpatrick seals the deal the very next mm-hmm. play. So, uh, kudos to Tomlin for the decision making, and just kudos to everybody involved in special teams—the coverage, the kickers, the punter—they all were a plus, top notch. Game, yeah. yeah. No, so, I, and I think that was a key. And like Cam Hayward said after the game, you know, that's where they get you. That's the hidden yardage that the Falcons get on you is those kick returns. So the fact that they only had
2: 55 total return yards is huge. We said last week that you don't really lose games on special teams, but the Falcons can really add help. It can really help their game on special teams. And, And you've seen that this season so far from them. And the fact that the Steelers made it a non issue, I think, is a big reason why they came away with a win. And another kudos to the
1: offense. The fact that Arvin only punted twice. That's a that's, that's what a I mean, again, positive. he didn't didn't touch the ball in the first half. Yeah, that's a that's a step in the right direction for the Steelers offense and definitely a positive you can build off of not all perfect on the offensive side of the ball. Little trouble in paradise, maybe with the receiving core, and yeah. of course we gotta talk about Kenny Pickett's performance, because you have to talk about Kenny Pickett's you performance. It's the rules. And <laughs> his growth has been, I think. Encouraging. I'll, I'll put it that way, and we'll explain more when we come back. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio at any time, anywhere, through your smart speaker. All you have to do is just say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio for my heart, and our good friend Alexa, she's just going to take care of the rest for you. We'll get more into the offense. We'll talk Pickens and Deontay, and we'll, of course, talk Kenny in our next episode. He's Jacob rectum I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week.